your presence, ready for the work that you want to work in us and produce in us. God, help us, Lord, in a sense of consecrate, Father, right now as a church family, Lord, you would prepare us for all that you've called us to, for, to enter into and to step into. Called us to, to be, called us to become. I pray even now, Lord, that, that those, even those who are family, Lord, and those who are guests today with us, Father, that there just be a sense in our hearts to cry out for you. Oh, God. We're not to prepare the way. You prepare the way. You make the way. You work in and through us. You go before us. Oh Lord, may we, each of us, we just have a sense of expectation that we've never carried before. I pray, Lord, a delight that we've never nourished, a hunger and thirst, Father, we've never had the appetite for. I pray that you would get us ready. Help us to be ready what you want to do, how you want to move across this land, in our, in our community, in our homes, in our families, throughout the state, in our nation, in the nations of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a great song to lead into this message this morning, so good morning to each and every one of you. Uh, thank you, Beth. How well did you do on your own? And, uh, and it's a good team, but sometimes a single bubble, it can be, it can be daunting and challenging and just a beautiful voice and you just let us wonderfully. So let's give her a big hand. She doesn't do it for my life, but she does it for the Lord and not to the Lord, but she just thank you again and again for your, your heart and passion. Uh, God is good. We're going to continue looking. And this is the second last, there will be one more instalment in this series of Unstoppable God. And I pray that if you go over these messages, you'll get a sense of, as I said, you put them all together, a puzzle that begins to appear, a picture of what God is saying to us. I believe saying to the church and to, to many churches, to the kingdom and body of Christ right now, the bride to represent this time and day and era. So can I encourage you? Uh, to go over some of those messages, familiarise yourself with uh, what God may be saying to you. Sometimes on a Sunday it's difficult to take everything in. Sometimes just going over the messages can just help uh, reinforce and maybe re-emphasise areas of what God may be saying to you. The reshaping of things to come. I want to just read from Job 42.2. It says this, it says, I know that you can do anything. This is Job at the end of his trials and his dilemmas. And, and we know that Job, there was nothing uh, ill toward Job or of Job. He was uh, considered by God an upright. In fact, God was boasting and, and, and saying, look at my servant. Have you considered my, my servant Job? And Job at the end of it goes through, goes through his life as a challenge. And at the end of it, he makes this declaration. He says this, uh, and he's ups and downs and roundabouts. He says, I know that you can do everything or anything. In fact, this word means you're able to overcome, 
endure and prevail. So this is what he's learned. He says, I know, this know is not a knowledge in the head. It's an experimental, it's a going growth knowledge of experience. So he says, I have learned, I have discovered that you can do everything or anything you are able to conquer, overcome, endure, prevail. And your plans, and it says he it's translated good purposes. It's probably a, a better translation. And your plans or good purposes are unstoppable. So what we're learning in this series is that when we get God's blueprint, when we get God's manual, God's instructions, and when we follow those instructions and His ways and understand what He's saying to us and we step it out the way He wants us to step it out, the way I need to step it out, not my way but His way, through me and through us, then we can see that God is unstoppable. And this is Job's declaration. I don't know about you right now, but who needs sometimes that confession in their day? Who needs, I know God, you can do everything. It doesn't feel like it. everything's going this way or that way, or there's this challenge and there's that, and there's this situation. But I know you can do everything. In other words, I know by experience that you're on top of this. You've got this. That's a big declaration for somebody when you read the story of Job that had everything and lost everything. And though God did restore, there's a horrific journey to experience. So can I encourage you, maybe make that your confession, or maybe make that your declaration. Yes, Lord, a little bit over here too, please. I believe that you will endure, you will uh, prevail over these situations, and your good purposes and plans are unstoppable. Well, let's just continue a little bit, because we're talking in terms, in context of the church, we're learning that Jesus gave gifts to the church. He gave graces to the church, known as ascension gifting. And he gave them to the church because he said, I'm giving you a bit of me. I'm imparting my spirit to you. And I want you to be uh, all that you are called to be. There's no way we can truly be the church, the church that Christ died for, the church that Jesus gave his life for, unless it is him working in and through us. It's not just us doing a good thing or responding to something of a need, but there's a real stir in our spirit for God to do and lead and take us through so that we can be all that he's called us to be. We have to ask seriously, what did Jesus give me? What has he given you? What did Jesus give the church? And what should the church look like? Well, there's a lot here. We talked about the wine skin of leadership. I'm not going to go too much into the summary. I know it's been a few weeks since we looked at this. But let's just focus on this. We serve an all conquering mm. king, a generous Lord, and an unstoppable saviour. And we go back to those words of Job. I know that any plan or purpose, I know that your good plans have a fulfillment. Many good, not harm for me. I love what we learn about Jesus. We learn that Jesus said, uh, if you don't believe me, believe the miracles or the works that I am doing. See, in life, in theology, in purpose, in identity, you cannot get any better than Jesus. That's the call. And he calls us to renew our minds. We need to see a renewal. The church needs to see a renewal. We need to see a revival. 
What happens first is a revival where God just moves supernaturally first and then we just catch up. Or is there a renewal where we are just hungry with the appetite and hungry for God to do something so much so that God cannot resist doing something? The invite is so strong, so powerful, that God says, I have, something has to happen here. We wonder, those who have studied revival, there's lots of scenarios and, and studies on, on revival. I think it's a combination of both about people just saturating themselves before the presence of God, humbling themselves, and in that space, God just wanting to meet with them. And something happens. There's like almost this combustion of synergy and heaven, heaven's delight. Bishop Lionel J. Trelaw says this about the gifts. He says, when the gift flows properly in the gifted, we should, see, we should see purpose being produced. When the gift flows properly in the gifted, we should see purpose being produced. You know, a few weeks ago, we had Stephen in speed, and he stopped after, as, after the, for his message, he began to focus on the words and the lyrics of the song, Make Room. Shake up the ground of all my tradition, Break down the walls of all my religion. Let me add something there. Your way is better, Jesus. The roots go on. Your way is better. And the song begins with this. Here is where I lay it down. I lay what down? Our heart, our motives, our desires, our wants, our needs, our opinions, our attitudes, our issues, our stuff. I'm sure it means all that. To make room means that we lay it down. We don't lay down some things and hold on to others. We lay it down. We just say, God, it's all yours. Here I am. Use me. This is the key. If we are willing to see God, this unstoppable God that we are learning about and, and proclaiming in a sense, surely... He is all that we are saying He is. In Ephesians 4, 23 and 24, it says this, that we, we began with this, to be made new in the attitude of our minds. In other words, renew, change the way you're thinking completely. It goes on, and not only do you change your way of thinking, that you, because of that, you're thinking differently, you're behaving differently. And then put on the new self in the likeness of God, that's what it means. Put, it, put on a new self in the likeness of God. It goes on to say, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And that's what we need. God's people and God's churches, they need a sense of reflection of the righteousness, the rightness of God amongst us and His holiness prevailing. You know, God is a holy God. And so, in a little while, I'm going to be sharing some, some in relation to this, because I feel there's a spirit, a sermon and a spirit about this, this particular age that we're living in right now. It's quite confronting on so many levels. And how do we, how do we adjust, how do we navigate through that? And that's for a few weeks' time. But nonetheless, here we are learning to unravel this amazing truth that God is an unstoppable God. Friend, I'm going to ask you right now, I hope you really believe that. Maybe your circumstances don't say that. 
Maybe it doesn't feel like that. Maybe things just aren't great or well with you. Maybe they were better, but they're not so good now. Or maybe they're really good for you right now. You're just like, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm just happy. I'm just so full of joy. I'm so, that's good. Just start telling you, Buster. Um, that's good. We'll have that and share that with us. See, the visions 411 as we jump to the next thought of this unraveling that so Christ gave himself gifts, graces to of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. What for? To equip us to be his people so he can work in us. This works means impartation for fruit bearing of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So everything that we do as a church, everything that these, these graces are being uh, given in measure to is to help us grow stronger. And in fact, it's helped us to grow deeper, stronger and together. We are called to grow. We are called to grow up. We are called to grow into. We're sometimes called to grow out of. Grow strong. Grow wise. Grow in favour. Grow in grace. Grow in knowledge. Grow in maturity. That is why Jesus descended. He gave us gifts and then he ascended. These are expressions of his presence and empowerment for daily living. He says you're not on your own. You don't have to do this in your own effort and strength. I am with you. And so he gives us these gifts to the church that then will help each one of us recognize and discover our gifts and talents so that God can work through us in our particular way and shape and form. Why does he do this? Because his bride, the church, needs to be, will be spotless. There's a sense where the bride, the church, will be the taste of heaven and of things to come. A place of healing. I think we heard that before. Of wholeness, of life, of peace and love flowing. Surely even in the midst of our, our journey is coming together as individuals and yet separate in some ways. We don't live in each other's house and home. But the relationships and the connections that are forged here and formed here carry a great significance and don't shouldn't reflect the world, should reflect kingdom. So we have the fivefold. These gifts, also known as the ascension gifts that you heard me say, some will call these equipping ministries. So we have apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Let's just unpack two of them just this morning, just the next few moments, as a summary. Uh, it will take a lot more time to just unpack this, but I think we can do a little bit with that this morning. Ephesians 2.20 says that these, this foundation goes on to say, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Starts with Jesus and because of Jesus. Let's unpack these together. When we properly understand the fivefold gifts or graces, what that should do is equip the church to be released, to be what the church is called for and to be. It's not about these fivefold ministries being a superior entity or individual. These graces are given so that we are, can maximise our best strengths and talents and resources and giftings that are given to us to help us. That is the purpose of these gifts. That's the purpose of a pastor. It's the purpose of a prophet. It's the purpose of an apostle. It's the purpose of an evangelist. 
They say that as an average of 100 people, you can have at least four or five, six or seven of these people, actually these particular graces given and sitting amongst the congregation, that are here to help with all of releasing God's church into fulfilment. Unfortunately, many churches in Australia, the average attendance is 50. Some are many, many, much, much lower meeting, besides so maybe home meetings and whatnot. I'm not saying it's about numbers, but there is a sense of influence that we are able to just keep multiplying and seeing this kingdom come into reality. I believe that when the church age has concluded, these gifts or graces will no longer be required, but they are required now more than ever before. Gee, the church really desperately needs these gifts. I, I am blessed and I am titled as pastor. And I may function as some other giftings according to the setting and the environment that we're called in. But we have some people who are apostles, but they just begin to give them the title of pastor. We have some people who are evangelists, and we give them the title of, of pastor. It's just a simple, we defer to that, and that's fine. But what is happening now across the church is that God is, people in churches are really recognizing that we need to acknowledge it. It's not about just title, but it's understanding that we need apostles in the church, we need the prophets in the church, we need the pastors in the church, we need the evangelists in the church, we need the teachers, we need all them. And in a few weeks time I'll conclude this message and I'll share a scenario that will really be quite delighted, delightful and interesting and funny at the same time. But just how all these work together, just to, as we understand that. You may think, well, I come to church and I'm hearing that this unstoppable God. What has it got to do with me? Everything. We are called until our breath goes to just keep seeking God, keep knowing God, keep growing God, growing in God, growing deeper in His things and asking for His will. Your prayers are powerful. You are powerful. You serve an unstoppable God. Don't just think, oh, no, my prayer's nothing and I'm not seeing any fruit and I've been praying for my brother and I've been praying for this person and I'm not seeing anything and so I'm just wondering, maybe I, I, God doesn't hear my prayers. Don't do that. Your prayers are powerful. Oh, you're a person to be reckoned with who understands the, the purpose and the meaning and the power of your prayers and your words. Wow. We, we get in our own zone and we think like that. Jesus wants the church, as he leads the church, to inspire her, to fill her, to occupy her, to strengthen her, to be equipped and deployed. Many believe that the gift of the apostle was and is a continuous gift of the church, in the church age. Some say that there are different dynamics, but in a technical sense, the apostles of the, of the first century church have some different characteristics, yes. We're not adding any more to the Bible. Those apostles are here to add more Bibles. If you come up to someone and says, I'm an apostle and I've got Bible number three, and it's a different, and you, you don't accept it. In fact, the Bible teaches us against false apostles. And there's a criteria to, to suss them out and check them out. There's a lot more on that, but I want to encourage you just with the simplicity of, of just knowing that these are gifts that God has given. Jesus has given these grace gifts. And for me, I would say, this is important. If you're giving something to us as a church, then I think we need to pay attention. 
And you don't know what these are. Some people say, oh, we're going back, we're going back to, to, or we're starting up something new. No, we're going back to what was originally instructed to us and given to the church. We just haven't done anything with it. We've just ignored it and we've just focused on the pastor. Maybe the evangelist a little bit, yes. And definitely the missionary, we'll talk about that. And definitely the teacher. So we'll accept everything except the one deal with apostles and prophets. So we accept this, but we choose, we, we become selective. We say, well, I'll accept this, but not that. So I just wonder if these gifts will really help the church. And I'm sure that's the desire and intention of them. In my humble opinion, churches who do not understand these gifts and receive these gifts and allow these gifts to be received, have an who don't have a disadvantage to ministry effectiveness. So let's have a little apostle. The apostle in this sense is someone who has a priority for training and developing and sending. The apostle has a kingdom focus and mindset. They're, they're larger than the church. And I've sat under people who I deem have gifted as apostles. And they're restless individuals. They can't sit still. They're thinking about the next church, the next place, the next town, the next city. They're just like, they're, they're intense. They're very tiring, actually. Just to be honest with you, after that, you just want to go have a scat nap. It's like, whoa, they're just so intense. They're just, they're just because they're gifting, that is to go. Now, we knew a, an individual, a very senior gentleman, for many, and all, he was an apostle. There was other aspects about him. And every time he would travel, so he would be like a nomad's travel. Every time he would stop at a place, he started a church. Everywhere he stopped, every town he stopped, a church started. So they'd go on this trip and they'd stop there and it was just for a week next to they're there for four months. And a church would start and thrive. And as it went to a point and people got in and as they did the training, the soccer, they would make some connections. He'd go off again. It was crazy. It's just like, man, every, everyone was really worried. Don't come to our area. You know, I mean, like, how many churches will you start near us? It's just like this guy just had this ability and this call and grace to go somewhere and churches just begin to start up and flourish. Do you need the apostles? They're just hungry for the, the kingdom of God. They, they, they serve in local churches. They love the local church. But it's way bigger than that for them. It's not just about what's inside the walls. It's what's outside. The apostle wants to see the kingdom of God come and be made manifest. It's an incredible spirit. Some of you may be carrying that. Some of you, maybe there are apostles here who don't even know you're an apostle. And you wonder why sometimes there's so many things that irk you. It's because the gifting in you is so contrary to everything that's going on around about you. You're like, oh, I just feel like I'm a fish out of water. And you're wondering, why is this? Maybe God, God has called you. Maybe God has, has graced you with the measure of apostle. They're larger than life. They're passionate about raising people up. They point, appoint and anoint and establish and equip. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says that God has placed in the church first apostles and prophets. Look at that. First apostles and prophets. Then goes third teachers, then miracles, and the gifts of healing and all those other things to help us. In fact, they say the Great Commission is an apostolic commission. Because it's going, it's rising up, it's establishing, it's birthing, it's forming, it's shaping. It's all these things. Often we will sometimes sense 
And not always, not every missionary is an apostle. And we can talk about that. They could be part evangelist, part pastor. There could be other graces that are going on there. But generally you will see uh, apostles, some, will be just sent to a mission field. And they'll just, they'll just see phenomenal things happen. Their passion is just to see the kingdom of God made manifest. They're, they're not overly blown on, on discipleship. They just want to see things established. They believe in it, but they believe they leave that for others. And we should learn that that's really important for us in our gifting, not to try and do everything. This is what these fivefold gifts teach us. They teach us that as a pastor, the pastor gift is not enough in the church. Just an event. I have a friend who's a pastor. I believe he's an apostle and evangelist. And can I tell you, it's really hard for him to leave his church. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's because he's thinking in a different way. So as he's called, he's appointed as a pastor, he's really thinking evangelism all the time. And that, that takes time for a church maybe to get in that shape. And plus the apostolic sense of when to go and just raise up and start kingdom-minded. Pastors are very secure. They're like, oh, well, most of them are not like that. But most of them are like, no, no, don't let anybody, don't release people. No, no, we're meant to release people. We're meant to raise up people. Amen. The apostle. One who is sent. The term apostle is not just a Christian term. You may or may not know this, but used, it was used in ancient times. It was actually a Greek and Roman uh, thought. Apostles had significant authority in society back then. as extended to civil matters such as executing justice in governing cities. They're almost like leaders of leaders or people who will oversee. And some faiths actually raise up and give different titles to, to what they would probably deem in the sense of apostle, overseeing other pastors or leaders or regions or churches. Another thought about the apostle is one who was admiral of ships. Navarali, as I understand it, means that he had he had he oversaw many, many ships. The meaning of an apostle is that he would lead an army of ships into a foreign land representing the Roman Empire to infiltrate culture and to invade a foreign land and region with resources, logistics, culture of the Roman Empire. So it gives you a sense that when you read this, it's interesting that Jesus uses a secular concept to try and explain the spiritual truth. You see the picture of the thumb, I don't think you have the slides up, but the thumb is, is when we look at the hand, this is the apostle. Because the apostle can, can, he covers all these areas. Not well, but this is his passion. He's able to start something and do something by work of God. He can include all of them, but he, he empowers others to get to that point. Then we have the pointer. Pointer is the prophet. We have this, the evangelist. We have this, the ring finger, they call it the pastor, the pastor. And then this one's the teacher, which brings all the balance. The apostle brings stability. They say that the apostle's like a general practitioner, graced as such, in order to release the other graces that have been given. Just like your thumb can touch all the other fingers. The apostolic ministry is a governing ministry that refers to those who are sent out as spiritual statesmen establish ministries. They forge new paths to the kingdom of God and they're always known to be on the move. They never settle and they are big dreamers. And they give away freely what they have. They just want to see the kingdom come. 
Kingdom come. What can we do? How do we do? How do we resource? How do we make this happen? So then it gets very important. And you can see why this makes sense that we still need apostles. We still need the church to be, we need churches to be starting up, we need churches to be extended, we need plants in every area. There's still time for the gospel to be sent out and reached out. So apostles, we understand, govern and build. Govern and build. Then we have the prophets. Now I'm really summarizing all of this this morning for you. The prophets are the foretellers, and they, 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 these people, these, this gifting, is, they're really hungry about the presence of God. They're really hungry about articulating and hearing from God and helping people to hear from God. That's their desire. That's their passion. It's not about show and, and lights and, and smoke and cameras and mirrors. It's just about helping people to, to deeply go into places of, of greater depth of, of relationship and discipleship and to clear, clearly hear the Word of God. They're passionate to hear. Not only the Word as, as it may be understood for individuals, but as a church as a whole. Some of you, you know, you may not have heard this, maybe this is unfamiliar to you, maybe you're not sure, but I can promise you this, it's here for a reason. And I wonder over the, the centuries where we just haven't, we haven't followed with this pattern that Jesus gave us, that is to our own detriment. I wonder, I wonder if Jesus would have already come by now, because there would be, the timing of things would have been much uh, sooner. The church would have flourished uh, much earlier. An amazing gift that we need to honour. We had someone here uh, just a few months back who, who was a recognised prophet in America, or nationally, really, internationally. We had him here to speak with us, and he just brought such a father's heart. It was just like he just he just revealed something of the father's heart to us. He spoke and he shared, and the gift was released. And the Bible says that we need to. We need to receive the gift of a prophet. And we receive the prophet's reward. Jesus functioned in all these gifts. The fivefold, the time in scripture, Jesus functioned. He even said a prophet is not welcome in his own town. Jesus was identifying himself as a prophet. He identified himself as an apostle. He identified himself as an evangelist, going and preaching in Luke 4. He identified himself as a pastor, as a shepherd, and also as a teacher. And he taught with, with great authority with great wisdom. So Jesus had all these gifts and then he said, I'm giving you a, an expression of me in these giftings in the body of Christ because the bride needs that help and support and encouragement and nourishment to simplify things. Prophets were spokespeople. They were gifted to receive and have a great sense of, of clarity of hearing God and speaking that generally. What's happened though? We've all heard of bad experiences when it comes to these gifts. Just even an expression of gifts. But sometimes there's been where we talk about the prophet as the one who's the pointer finger. So we've got the apostle and we've got the prophet. And sometimes we feel like, oh, they, they bring condemnation and they... No, they bring life. They help us to get right with God. They help us to identify things that we can identify in our own life. And they help us to be stronger. They help us to be better. They help us to be, be on, on par and on focus with things and the calling of God. They point the way. They help correct the times, even, even in a gentle way. They correct and guide the church. And they reveal God's heart to the church through their gift. They reform broken injustices and systems in society. And they help the church to hear the voice of God in a much clearer way. 
so that it can be equipped, not just for ministry, but for intimacy and worship and prayer, and, and to build a passionate sense of relationship with God. So a couple of thoughts here. We remember that the apostles pull us, they stretch us, they are busy, busy people. In that sense, it's just always a conversation. It's always about we've got to plant church, we've got to plant church. What can we do? What town hasn't been reached yet? Do we know any town, anyone? There's no church, but there's no expression or representation of the kingdom or Jesus. We're going to find it. We're going to find it. And then they start to plan and, and they do that and they grab some people and off they go. And that's exciting and well done. And they're just gifted to go do that because that's a grace gift that's given upon them. And they raise up and they raise up people where they should, raise up people to go and carry on that work. And they reach on people's groups, as I mentioned earlier. Then we have the, the ministry of the prophet. He equips individuals and churches to live an authentic life by receiving divine inspiration and hearing directly what God is saying in and out to the church and even for the future under the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. These are divine inspirations. God has given these are gifts that are measured out to the church and churches for his pride to be strong and healthy. The church, friends, is called to flourish, flourish, to be evergreen, to be a place of life, health and unity. Not conformity, but unity. It's a space of, of where there's covenant relationships and atmosphere, love and warmth. Friends, let us not be afraid of the gifts. Let us not be afraid. Let us not be careless or irresponsible either. The fivefold graces are gifts given to help us, to strengthen us, enable us to fulfill each of our callings and to be all that Christ has called us to be. Don't ever, when I hear them, celebrate the fivefold and sell or worship the pastor and worship the, the evangelist or the teacher or the apostle or the prophet. No, it's not about that. It shouldn't even be, ever be about that. It hasn't been about that in the past, and that's put a lot of people off. And I understand that, and I get that. But truly when these gifts are functioning and flowing in the humility and with a servant heart and with grace overflowing, we are truly going to be blessed. And this is a place that would be irresistible. We talk about unstoppable God. We, we transform that into irresistible presence, irresistible place and space. What do we do with this? Well, we'll share this in the next couple of weeks. But all I can ask you is, let our hearts be open. Let our hearts be open and say, Lord, what your word says, I want to be open to your word. Maybe someone's hand is, maybe you've heard someone say, oh, the fivefold is dead and buried and it's no good, we don't need it. And yet we have pastors. And yet we'll celebrate teachers. And we'll honour them. And we'll, and we'll acknowledge the evangelists. And we'll find the baby out the pathway. We need to find our unity and diversity in God. None of us are able to do and fulfill every single element of what Jesus has called us to do. He, he sort of provides people to help us do that. I'll close with this. I pray that you are encouraged to serve God and know God. I pray that you would ask God to, to pour out his blessing and favour upon you in a fresh new way. I ask that, that whatever you've been thinking, whatever you've thought, whatever you've been taught, whatever you've held as sacred, as a sacred cow even, just lay it on the altar before God. And I was saying the other day, they call it an altar for a reason. 
Because life happens. There's transformation in an altar. Something dies. And something begins to have new life. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray. Might not be easy teaching or hearing today, Father, and understanding these grace gifts that are given to the church, to the bride. Understanding the, the apostle and the mandate and the commission of the apostle. Understanding we need those gifts. We need that gift. We need apostles here. We need apostles in this church for the future of the church, of this kingdom. That it may come. Oh Lord, we need prophets. People, Father, help us and steer us and infuse in us a sense of presence and authentic relationship. And reveal your word that is now even for what may be coming. We have a new, fresh sense of grace and capacity. So, Father, help us. Help us never to, to discard something because we don't understand it or it's messing with our theology. Just help us to be willing to surrender to you and ask you to lead us and to take us on the journey. And so, Father, I pray for you, BC. I pray for each and every one here. Wherever they're at, whatever they're facing, whatever they're dealing, the encouragement from today is this, that these grace gifts are given to the church so that we can be encouraged, that we can be released, that we can be empowered, that we can be strengthened, that we can be full of courage to, to be all that you have called us to be. Help us, Father, to step into that call, to step into the mantle that you put on us as a church, as UBC family and friends. And help us to, to walk faithfully in this next season to all your wonderful and powerful and glorious name. We all said, Amen.